Welcome to Phantom Lane 4. We hope you enjoyed the pre-roll today. <laughs> and I hope you've got 50 cents to make that phone call if you're not happy about it. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm Sally at Dr. Sally on Twitter. And I will introduce everybody today. So, of course, we've got my husband, Rob, from Sydney. Thanks for joining us once again in this jazz bar, as Oliver's pointed out. <laughs> Glad you could join us and look forward to a very interesting conversation tonight. And we've got Nash from Tess from the Goal. Hi there, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. I just dropped a 50, 50 cents somewhere here. I'm going to look for it right now. Bye bye. <laughs> Check out the shirt. It's Tess from the Gong shirt. <laughs> Not a horse. <laughs> Not a horse. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> Do you know? And uh, no, no, we've got uh, Tesla Tom from Ludicrous Fee. Hello, everyone, and hello to our viewers, and thank you so much for joining us again. And look at that shirt. What a fabulous <laughs> shirt. <laughs> Hit that store now. Yes, never mind the merch plugs. Yes. And, uh, of course, we've got Adam from Tesla Australia. Hey, everyone, welcome. I think we're just swapping merch around at the moment. I am sporting <laughs> Tesla Tom's merch this evening, so uh, really happy to be wearing this, and it's actually keeping me very nice and warm. But uh, thanks so much for joining us. Hoping we can put on a good uh, podcast for you all tonight. So thanks yeah. for joining. And we're, Rob and I are still waiting on our merchandise yes. to arrive, so maybe next week. And, of course, as you've probably seen if you've looked at Twitter this week, we have a special guest. We have Bayab. He is from. He is the CEO of the Electric Vehicle Council. Uh, why can't hey, guys. I Thanks for having me here. I <laughs> wish you guys told me that the theme here is to wear swag. I prefer uh, <laughs> the flannel jacket, but uh, I'll know next time I'm on here to bring out my funny stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll have you back, don't worry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we like returning guests. Yes. Well, um, see, see, it's printed just for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the Electric Vehicle Council. Yes. Yeah, so oh, short shorts. shorts. Short shorts. Oh. <laughs> yes. Or we we've actually started making some long short shorts. We call shalongs. Shalongs. Which you can use as a face mask too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, check that out <laughs> when we get around to it. yeah so as i said uh, bayard is uh, the ceo of the electric vehicle council um i had the address just up on screen just a second ago but i'll pop that back up now uh would you like to tell us a bit more about um, the electric vehicle council and what you're doing there yeah, sure. So we're a industry body that uh, represents the electric vehicle sector in Australia. So that for us is everyone from energy companies, vehicle companies, infrastructure providers, tech firms. Really for us, we take a pretty holistic view of what are all the, sector, the traditional sectors in Australia that are going to benefit from this global transition to electric vehicles. And how do we, uh, you know, the first part of the mission, help support get more electric vehicles here in Australia and on our roads 
but then importantly for us following on from that and making sure that we use some of those Aussie entrepreneurs and the expertise to create the businesses and jobs that go to supporting the global transition to EVs and making sure Australia gets our fair slice of that because a lot of the sort of great ideas and a lot of the experts uh, that are helping sort of drive this change globally actually come from Australia and it's a particularly in the sort of tech and the clean tech space the story that we hear far too often is we come up with the smarts but then people have to go overseas to commercialize these ideas and we'd like to try to keep a few of them here in Australia especially given the, uh, the electric vehicle sector sort of just taking off around the world. This is our sort of once in a lifetime chance to build the industry that we want. Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be great yeah. to see the industry build in Australia. Um, so, I agree yeah. far too often all our innovation and ideas go overseas and yeah. um, it'd be nice to see that stay over here and, and give people jobs in Australia producing those those ideas into real products. So, yeah. Awesome. It's, it's great to see that you're um, heading up that and um, advocating for electric vehicles in Australia. Um, all right, um, as my Windows device decides to go to sleep. <laughs> I wanted to ask Behard actually, um, EV Council of Australia, is it, um, is it industry backed? Who's actually on the board of the EV Council currently? Yeah, so we're entirely funded by companies. We have about <coughs> two members, it could be 64 members, Try to remember whether or not a couple of people have come on board and said yes, uh, and their companies should pay an annual fee to belong to the council. The really good news, the good part about that for us means that uh, there are two really important pieces of our message, particularly to governments, but also other investors, other businesses, is that what we represent are companies who want to invest in the electric vehicle sector in Australia. Uh, so we, you know, the staff of the council. We do a lot of research. We have sort of a lot of expertise in how electric vehicle markets and policy and technology work, uh, but we're not speaking purely from a sort of either an academic or a research point of view. We are sort of representing the interests of people who actually want to make investments. And our message is when we ask people to, whether it's government to provide some policies or you know investors to back a new product, is to say. We're not saying do this and hope that people will come. We're saying people are ready to invest. They're ready to start employing Australians. They're ready to put their businesses here. Uh, but there are a few challenges at the moment, a few things getting in their way. Here's how you can help them move along. The other key benefit is, and particularly I sort of started this organization back in 2016 and the option existed to try to get some uh, government funding. And it was sort of one of those fortuitous things that at the time chose not to do because so much of our work is arguing with governments and sort of speaking mm. to them, advising them, disagreeing with them when they don't do a good enough job, which is the case you know, right around the country. And by sort of not having government funding in there, it gives us that independence to really just represent the sector rather than sort of having to hold our tongue when we wouldn't want to. Mm. Yeah. Right. And, and what is the biggest roadblock you see? Uh, is it is it uh, one single problem that you see top down or is it it, it is individual for each um, uh, each state or each council. What do you what do you think is the roadblock? Look, I think it's it's never simple enough to say that there's one thing that'll fix everything. Uh, but what we know for sure is that Australia has is missing a few of the foundational policies and regulations that sort of supports technology and efficiency in the transport sector more broadly, and then more recently electric vehicles particularly. So. When we look at it, a lot of the sort of it, the sort of advice and information we give, 
say 80% of the new vehicle market has for multiple decades now had things like fuel efficiency standards or mm. light vehicles, CO2 mm, yeah. standards. They're called a range of different things in place. Now, the US put those in place back in 1976 and we don't have them in 2020 in Australia. And for the last decade, they've been providing things like uh, financial incentives for people to purchase electric vehicles, non-financial incentives. And what we have now is the rest of the world is up to around five to 10% electric vehicle market share, Australia's below 1%. So yeah. some of those things are a, you know, the good thing about being so far behind is we don't have to guess whether or not we're doing a good enough job in Australia. We know for sure yeah. that we're not. <laughs> it's kind of easy in that way. But the other, you know, the other benefit sometimes from coming from behind is that we know what works as well. So you don't actually need to be all that smart to do my job. You're, you've sort of got the success of everyone else around the world and mm. you've got some of the failures of other people around the world and you're able to say, these are the policies that work. These are the sort of market actions that actually are successful. Pursue them and you'll get the right results. Yeah, mm. uh, that's just it. I mean, we like to, this is a strange thing about this country. We like to follow the lead of some other countries so often, but when it comes to renewable energy, for some reason, we don't, uh, renewable yeah. transport or, or zero emission transport, we don't. We just sort of turn our back at it. And All it's a real yeah. shame that we're not um, incentivizing EVs more. Even simple things such as removing the luxury car tax or um, there's been a lot of talk. Discounts. Sorry? Rego discounts. on Rego discounts, like uh, free yeah. toll roads. Lane, toll lanes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But one of the things I'd like to see, because uh, a lot of people have been asking for this, particularly people on who are um, advocates or holdouts on EVs, advocates against EVs, are saying that we need to tax EVs. And okay, uh, fine, you know, we all need to contribute to society. But as I've said before, in, in previous episodes, I'm okay with taxing EVs as long as we do it across the board. So we remove the fuel excise tax, no more fuel excise tax, but we tax every single car per kilometer but on a sliding scale based on it, that car's in, impact on society in, in regards to health and um, the environment. So a more polluting car pays more per kilometre. A least polluting car pays less. So an EV would pay less, whereas a, um, a like, you know, if you're driving a, a land cruiser, which is using 22 litres per 100 Ks, then you're gonna pay the most. There's also an important question there around timing, right? Because you have to remember that we do yeah. tax electric vehicles. And there's yes. this sort of, you know, fanciful idea or some, some people blatantly lie about it. Some people are just mistaken about it. There's this thought that fuel excise goes towards paying for roads and other taxes, whether it's your income tax or stamp duty or registration, goes somewhere else. Whereas that's not the case. Every single tax that you pay goes into general revenue and the government decides some of that will go to roads, some will go to hospitals, yep. some will go to missiles or whatever else they want to pay for. Uh, and what we know is today electric vehicles are comparatively more expensive than petrol and diesel vehicles. They're yep. a new technology, they carry a premium. And the tax that they pay up front, and based on that premium, the fact that they pay more tax up front, we've done the research and it's one of the good things about sort of being having us there and you know, spending every day speaking with governments is we've been able to do the research and it shows that electric vehicles today already pay more tax than internal combustion engines, even after fuel excise is factored in. Because yeah. they're more upfront. 
so already there's a you know there's a gap there of why you're taxing electric vehicles more when you should be taxing them less. You certainly don't want to add a new tax on top of that as well. Uh, and that says nothing about the amount of additional what we call avoided costs. So because we're reducing pollution, because we're stopping the harmful impacts to public health through burning of those emissions, yeah. reducing our need to import oil to this country, all of that also for governments, you know, that there's a societal benefit, but then there's the taxes that they would have to pay to reduce emissions or yeah. for hospitals to treat people who are getting sick that they yeah. don't have to pay. But even if you can, if you completely disregard all of that, just based on the tax bill, EVs are already paying more today. And I think that's good news there. I often say there are a lot of audiences that want to talk about road user charges and about taxes for electric vehicles. Unfortunately, the only people uh, that don't want to bring it up again because they don't take that idea seriously are people in Australian governments because I think they recognise. We're already mm. doing a bad job. We don't want to make it worse by adding a new tax onto it. You know, mm. We don't necessarily, we're not convinced we should make it better, but we definitely don't want to make it worse. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one sure of the... Who, I was going to say, I'm not sure who originally coined that um, that ideology that we don't, well, EV drivers don't pay fuel excise, but I think it was Barnaby Joyce made it famous, and unfortunately he's dragged yeah. the movement back you know, <laughs> years because of that scaremongering. Um, now everyone's got it in their head that we don't pay enough road tax or fuel excise or yeah. whatever to, to fund Yeah, I know. They do a lot of damage as they make comments like that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hey, Tom, you're a little quiet. Am I? Yeah, yeah. I'll speak up. That microphone must not be big enough, Tom. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I think part of this is we need to start reframing the debate on this is that the reason why I say I'm okay with taxing EVs per kilometre, I mean, you get rid of luxury car tax and stuff like that, but as long as it's, you know, in a sliding scale with, with every other vehicle on the road and more polluting vehicles contribute more, is because it does affect health. And I'm doing a PhD at the moment. I'm researching the effects of motor vehicles on um, disease, on human disease. So, um, and it kills people. You know, this is one reason I could never drive a, a petrol car again, although we are, that's yeah, a story. Yeah, temporarily. Um, that's temporary at the moment. Um, but, you know, like, here's some, here's some statistics, right? Eight million people die each year from air pollution. That's indoor yep. and outdoor air pollution, okay? <clears throat> but if we break that down to outdoor air pollution, which is what cars are, are a major contributor of, that's 4.2 million people die every year globally. That's a lot of people. Um, to put that into context, that's 54 deaths per 100,000 people. Um, and meanwhile, while there's 4.2 million people dying from air pollution, this year is going to be estimated to be 950,000 die from COVID-19. You, you look at what mm. we've done for COVID. We, we have yeah. banded together, okay, maybe not so much in Victoria at the moment. Sorry, guys, <laughs> down there. Um, but, you know, oh, doing all right. <laughs> we, we've, done, we've done all right, even even though yeah. Victoria's gone on the second yeah. half of the wave. We've still done pretty good compared to the rest of the world. The rest of the world, um, absolutely. And, you know, if we can do it for COVID, which is only going to estimate to kill, like, cause, um, you know, a quarter of the deaths of air pollution, why aren't we doing it for air pollution? And then that goes on, has an on-flow effect because that... Um, the reason people die from air pollution is disease. So if we can remove air pollution, then we have let, we reduce some of the uh, effect on the health budget, which means the health budget goes down. And the side effect of that is we fix climate change. 
So we, we need to reframe this debate and say, look, mm. if, if you move to a renewable economy, you're going to save money on your health budget. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Well, closer to home, I, I just want to make a very quick point. Uh, same here. I moved to EVs because uh, my daughter was, was suffering from perpetual um, asthmatic attacks. So every time she has a uh, upper respiratory infection, it goes into low respiratory and then we have to nebulize her. Uh, we couldn't find the cause at all, so we just we did we did everything under the sun to find the cause. And somebody suggested, "Why did you think of uh, fuel fumes?" And um, ever since we moved to EVs, she's been symptom-free for two full years, uh, which is an absolute wow. boon because she's been suffering ever since she was born, and she's now 14. And for the last two years, she's been completely symptom-free. Uh, we've not found the we've not found the association yet, but there's definitely some causality. There's no smoke without fire, as they say. Yeah. Fun intended. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's something that's going to take some time to fix, unfortunately. Um, it might change, take a change of government or two or three yeah. to fix, unfortunately. <laughs> mm. um, so, an update on the problem with inertia our car. So, yep. um, there isn't much of an update at the moment. Um, nothing's happened for the past week. The car's been offline. Still waiting on parts. Um, I've heard from Vita Prime that um, there's a, a load of parts due to arrive on Monday and then it's going to go through customs so hopefully by the end of next week we'll have our car back fingers crossed but that's the update there isn't much so there you go hopefully you'll hear some more next Wednesday um, fingers other crossed. thing yeah fingers crossed um, Nash how's your car rental going first weekend of renting your car out Oh, it is good. Um, people who went into the car the first weekend were really happy. Um, uh, and, and they have they have made a blanket statement already. They said the next car they buy is going to be an EV. They've That's not said Tesla yet, but I'm hoping that that changes EV, Tesla. Good. Yeah, every, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> every EV on the road is one ice car less. So they so um, I'm really happy that uh, we, we, we're making that change slowly but surely. But, but like, like we said before, when we get more people on those seats, and they and they experience the EV for more than the 10 minutes that Tesla or any other EV gives you with like a, a quick round around the block when you give them a slightly extended period of time so this guy he took it for two days um, and his uh, and his child was, was was ecstatic obviously because of the tech <laughs> but then uh, he's come back and said um, my next car is definitely an EV uh, which is very heartening I'm, I'm really hoping and praying That's great. that more people more people go down that path uh, I have That's a question great. for Behead uh, to, to be honest um, <clears throat> very quick one uh, now we Oh, we know that a, a few companies have come in and they've left the, le left our shows. Like, for case in point, uh, Charge Point, for instance. Uh, what is the uh, <clears throat> what is the equation there? So, how how uh, how best can we attract more people to come and invest in our shows? Yeah, good question. I think the main thing that companies are looking for is some form of certainty, right? The difficult thing for a lot of global companies. And this applies for the OEMs, car companies that we or vehicle companies that we already have here, thinking about bringing more models of electric vehicles to Australia. Just say that you know, we've only got about a quarter of the number of electric vehicle models that the UK has, for instance. More mm. companies looking to do charging here or a whole range of associated uh, services. We actually saw just this week uh, companies like Uber, uh, DT, and Lyft about their very ambitious plans for electrifying their fleet overseas and saying well the, our question is what's going on in australia you know don't ask us what's going on you tell us what's, what what your country is up to yeah because 
happens in the rest of the world, particularly in the developed world, is their government set a very clear direction for them. They say we are we have a target in place, whether it's 100% electric vehicles or banning ICEs, uh, or sort of interim targets towards getting there. Businesses are then able to plan themselves accordingly. They say, okay, if that's the direction you're going in, this is how we'll start investing. Yep. Very difficult to do here because you don't quite know where we're going and it's a, you know, every year we release how many electric vehicles were sold in the last year and that's the first time people get a real glimpse of, okay, this is how the market's looking. Yeah. Mm. Again, really hard to do that forward planning without that direction as a country. Yeah. yeah and I think it kind of stems back to the whole kind of, we need more, we need EVs on the road. It's like a chicken and egg type scenario, right? Like mm. without the, without like the, the, the politics involved, without the, the incentives possibly at play without the price dropping without the cars out on the road there is the uncertainty when it comes to charging and, and other verticals as well right i think i think we need to get back to that whole kind of get the get the sort of grassroots right get get the uptake happening get some incentives happening doesn't have to be massive most people that i've spoken to would would happily move for something relatively small like a um like we've spoken many times around just giving people access to the the transit lanes, for example, like that's a huge saving, and they've they've done it in the U.S. and it's worked really, really well. No way. Really yeah. have too doesn't yeah it doesn't have too much of a cost really at all on yeah. on the government in terms of allowing it, um, <clears throat> and it would make people's lives so much easier, especially ones that commute in and out of the city. So yeah. I think we need to get all that right, and then I think the rest will flow on afterwards, and we'll yeah. start to to get other verticals happening off the back of it. Mm. Hmm. I mean, I think. Part of the problem also is why we don't have is we don't have many EVs. We don't have a lot of the cheaper EVs either, unfortunately. They do see overseas. Yeah, some people in the chat mm. just mentioned that we don't have any cheap alternatives yeah. yet, unfortunately. Um, and part of that comes down to government policy because you know you, you look at the policy of, of the whole of EU where they have quotas. They need to sell so many EVs every year, otherwise they get fined. So yeah, yeah, where yeah. are the cars that they produce going to go? They're not going to go to a country like Australia where there is no incentive for them to sell them. They're going to mm. sell them to Europe where they have to sell them, which is why we don't get them. It's something that's particularly important when we look at how to get different types of cars here or vehicles here, it's particularly important at that lower price point segments, right? Yeah. Or, so what we've always had a pretty rich supply of or a rich diversity of luxury electric vehicles because they're vehicles that a car company needs to sell a couple of hundred to a couple of thousand in order to make their return on investment and you know they're happy to keep going whereas particularly for vehicles priced under sixty thousand dollars and then particularly again for those under fifty thousand dollars you generally need to sell three to five thousand of those to make your money back on the mm. whole shipping them here and training people and everything else and in a country where you know last year was the first time we sold sixty seven hundred electric vehicles before that we were selling a bit over 2000 electric vehicles every year and again that comfort that we are moving further forward wasn't there because you know it's a real uh, disparity for people when every other government's doing something and we're not it's a you know it's very stark right it's like showing up to a country mm. and not seeing any roads having been built and going, yeah going on mm. what's going on in this country mm. so it is quite stark there and i mean the impact of that uh, sort of stress this enough we look at the uk quite often because they're a major right-hand drive market and a lot of the product planning for i call oems or car companies is based on other major right-hand drive markets like the like the uk right you look at their marketplace if you sort of convert over to aud to australian sixty thousand dollars they have about 28 models of electric vehicles that are cheaper than sixty thousand mm. dollars before wow. the incentive applies 
Mm. But what the incentive does for them or what those targets do for them is encourage them to bring the vehicles there in the first place. Yep. The incentives then help the customers get into the car because particularly at those price points, if you're buying a $40,000 car or a $50,000 car and the EV is you know, slightly more expensive, you're going to be a lot more price conscious with that little bit of money. You know yep. that car is going to be cheaper to run, but frankly, people only have as much money as they have. They can't say, mm. you know, sure, the car's going to, I'll save $10,000 over, you know, five or 10 years if you don't have that additional $10,000 to make the purchase in the first place. Yes. So it helps you get into that car. You know, that's mm. the, some of the important parts of actually starting to shift your market. And it also I'm, means I'm gonna... that they're standing next to an electric car and a comparative um, petrol car. If they're going to get, you know, five, ten thousand dollars in their pocket for buying that electric car, they're going to take the electric car. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've just got a question for Bayard. I mean, part of you know, part of my anecdotal research, just asking colleagues and associates, is obviously price is number one concern. The next concern, I think, is probably confidence in taking a road trip. Mm -hmm. So, like the charging yes. network around yep. our country. So, I mean, so is you know, we've spoken about, about this before on our podcast about getting like a large national or international chain like McDonald's or a fast food outlet to install rapid charging yeah, yeah. things in their car park. Is that something EV Council could advocate for? I just want to add one more one more question to Tom because that'll, that's sort of an extension of the same question that Tom's asking. Uh, I've had this um, conversation with, with friends they, where I've said, oh, the, the, Euro the European countries have been able to do this, do that. And they've said, uh, Nash, the, the problem there, they're, their land mass is much smaller, but mass is much larger. Uh, is is that does that weigh into the decision as well? So both are very similar questions. Uh, that's uh, the same root level, I suppose. Yeah, look, the solutions there, and again, it sort of falls back to if you're looking to build charging infrastructure, you want to know that there are going to be EV drivers that become your customers, right? So that that's sort of that circular relationship. Yeah. What we do have are a few companies like uh, Chargebox and EV Networks, NRMA, uh, Energy Queensland, sort of building some of those networks out ahead of time and saying, you know, we want to help encourage that growth. So, you know, we'll, we'll build it and hope that they come in the years to come. And again, we're able to, the good thing is compared to the EU as well, the fact that we've sort of acted a little bit later, we've now got things like 350 kilowatt chargers in place. So we could, we know a lot better if you're thinking about a you know stretch of highway between Melbourne and Sydney, for instance, when you're able to travel between those two cities again, we can very neatly plan and say, okay, well, we can, we'll need to have them, let's say once every three to 400 kilometers, let's put them once every 75 kilometers to make people extra comfortable. And maybe you mm. want to stop at one town and not the other. Mm. And then you're, you're very comfortably able to make those type of journeys because there are two key things that we're really trying to address here, right? One is, I think when a customer is buying a new, if you particularly if you're buying a new vehicle, and most electric vehicles are new, you know, out of showrooms today, understandable that they don't want to make the sacrifice. They don't want to say, I'm going to get a new vehicle, but I can't use it for that road trip once a year, uh, because, you know, I want it to be able to do everything that, that the other cars can do. Uh, but the other thing is really around sentiment, right? It's a, this gets to what you are talking about, Nasha, people feel like we're a very big country, so we drive yeah. very long distances. Whereas in fact we don't, it's where we look at. Uh, yeah, we're some of the shortest distance average, aren't we? I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're, less than Americans. Actually, look at this stuff on the data, yeah. and in in Europe you drive longer distances because of exactly what you described. Now, you can actually get places by driving three or four hours. Right? You can yeah. get to Paris in three or four hours. In Australia, you get to a truck stop in three or four hours. <laughs> so people fly longer distances and drive drive shorter ones. 
But again, yeah. building that sort of interim, that sort of backbone highway infrastructure, it gives people the comfort of knowing, look, if I buy an electric vehicle, I'll be okay. I can drive these very long distances. Mm. And then of course, what we know is when people do drive, you know, it's the joke we always make is range anxiety doesn't exist for electric vehicle owners. Uh, I say that all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, yeah. I'd, yep. what, what I'd like to see is, is, is pretty much a zero cost option for government is a mandate petrol, every large petrol station, say Caltex, Col, uh, Shell, Coles, whatever you want to call it nowadays, um, you know, yep. 7-Eleven <laughs> and that, have, say, two DC fast chargers every single one. We, until we, I mean, for the general public to get uptake of EVs, I mean, I know we don't really want to go to petrol station to charge up, but for the general public to get uptake of EVs, it needs to be the same as using a petrol car. You know, you need to know, you need to have the confidence that if you go to a, a charger and it's not working, it's going to be another one 15, 20 k's down the road. Yeah, yeah, that's um, exactly So, right. you know, like every single um, service centre on every single major road needs to have DC fast chargers. It's, it's great NRMA is putting them in country towns and that, but that's not where people are travelling. Like, yeah, if you're going there for lunch or something, that's great. But, you know, if you're going to Melbourne, you just want to hit the human and, and go down there. Mm. Um, but so I also think that um, the, the reason why service stations have been so, so successful in the last hundred years is because of their amenities around the, you know, fuel stops. You've got toilets, yeah. you've got food. I think, yeah. I think some of the EV uh, charging stops aren't up to that yet. Um, I, I heard someone say the other day, well, I don't actually feel safe going to these places at night because there's nothing around it. It's not lit. So I think that's something yeah. that could well, be addressed, I think, in, in the Picton's a great example. It's really good having it there, but it's in a car park out the back with no one around. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. you know... It's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Even the Gunnadar one, if you see the Gunnadar charger, it's like literally in the back of an industrial lot down the back of a lane. Yeah. You get there and you're looking exactly. at the back of back of a pub and it's like, oh, okay. Whereas at least <laughs> if it's in a service station, you, you've got someone in the service station who's, you know, serving people getting petrol. You've yeah. got toilets, yeah. you've got food. Yeah, correct. It's well um, yep. You know, it's not the nicest place to hang out for half an hour, but it's better than a back alley. <laughs> I think mm. there's an NRMA charger in, in Albury in a tip, I believe. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I heard about that one. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. Seriously? <laughs> Just where yeah. I want to be. <laughs> That'd be great yeah. for electric garbage trucks. Come on, Albury Council, get yeah. on it. <laughs> We didn't um, make them here, funnily enough. Yeah, yeah I, I drove, I drove after you, after you added them. Go on, sorry. I was just going to say, maybe one thing to add to that DC fast charging, which I completely agree with. Like, I can't really add anything more to, to add there. You guys smashed it. But I guess the other thing is as well, is that I think we need more scatterings of, of kind of AC around as well, just to kind of fill in the gaps. So um, uh, over the weekend, I was up in the Blue Mountains, which was, which was awesome. Um, the, the hotel had AC charging, which I've done videos and on and stuff in the past. Um, we went to dinner last night at the Hydro, um, their Tesla destination um, charger is back up and running again. Hydro I just Earth. had dinner. Nice. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah not, <laughs> not that type. The Hydro Majestic. Oh, um, not the Hydro oh, that's quite, nah. not, not, not quite as fun as Nash's. Um, but we were we ate dinner for ninety minutes and and chucked a hundred odd k's of of energy back in the car. Oh, so I think yes, yeah. The, yeah. the DC the DC is a a big key part of the range anxiety piece. But um, I think having sort of chunks of AC, AC around like absolutely. the McDonald's scenario, yeah. like it, it's it's amazing how much energy you can throw back in the car in a in a relatively short period of time. So I think yeah. a, a mix of both will definitely help with that yeah, sentiment totally. when people just see yeah. charging stations around that they can plug into, right? Yeah, um, our yeah. road trips really go away. When I did the, um, sorry, no. 
Sorry, Rob, go on. After yeah, you. we base our combination choices on EV charging, as we mentioned in the past, and others have too. Look up the combination, yep. as Nash pointed out, you can actually now filter by EV charging mm. in the combination. And we yeah. did pick those places yeah. first if we got it. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, m many sites are offering that. Booking.com does offer it right now. You, yes. can, you can filter it down by, by EV charging uh, infrastructure. And when I did the Great Ocean Road, there were multiple places where they had AC charging, and some of them are destination charges as well. It was really good. I mean, uh, we, we do need to take those stops, and those stops are, are quite gorgeous. They're, they're, they're picturesque, so you want to spend a couple of minutes there, plug it in, chuck in a little bit of uh, a little bit of case of energy inside, and keep going on. I, I, I really like that. And and when sure. when I went down uh, when I down, went down from Wollongong to um, to Melbourne and the Great Ocean Road, the, the onward journey was completely non-Tesla superchargers, and the places that it took me were just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I. I more and more of them come come along that that route. The, 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 let's start, let's start with often used routes and then then go to the mm. less less touristy routes. Oh, they they. It's a great way for businesses to attract. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 every place I stopped, I I, I spent money because uh, I, yeah. I was stopping there. There you go. And I, yeah, absolutely. It's it's it, great for the community as well. If we need to go to Bunnings or Super Cheap, we go to Penrith because there's so two AC or there's two Tesla destination charges there. Even though the closest Bunnings to us is somewhere else, we, we go the few extra kilometres and go to Penrith um, or South mm. Penrith because they've got the charges there. We plug in, go into Bunnings, you come back and you put 30, 40 k's in your car. It's great. Yeah. Do they charge you for the EV charging at that Bunnings or is it no, free? No, nope. free. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually one of, particularly for AC charging, it's probably the most uh, successful and widely used business model for charging around the world, which is the retail yeah. value capture. It tells you how much of a benefit there is about switching to EVs because it's so cheap to refuel the vehicle and they recognize they're not fully refueling the vehicle anyway. They're giving it some charge. It's so cheap to do that that the stores say, we want the customer. We want them eating Big Macs and we want them buying two yep. iPhones or whatever you're getting at Bunnings. Uh, we don't care about the couple of dollars of electricity. Because frankly, these, you know, these particularly the larger chains, they have an algorithm of minutes yeah. in store equals X amount of dollars spent, and we want to get people yeah. holding, you know, sticking around here. It works. Again, it's where we, um, you know, we have a lot of conversations with a lot of the, I won't sort of name any name brands, but a lot of sort of large chain sort of companies, um, as well as a lot of fuel stations, and I will name them. People like BP and Shell, who are investing very heavily in. Uh, in particularly DC charging in their four courts around the world. And really their message is we're very happy to do that in Australia again as well, but we're not going to be like Chargefox and EV, one of the leading companies. When your market takes off, we'll come in in a big way and we'll start putting charges everywhere. Uh, but we sort of, these other companies that are doing the, we're going to build our network so that more people get in electric vehicles. That's not the game that we're in. I think they're yeah. sort of there and, you know, some of that in getting, attracting that investment or getting them to spend that money is sort of up to us. You know, we, we need to be the ones to convince them to do it. Yeah. I mean, we, we have seen Caltex or slash Ampol now um, working with, um, was it EVgo? Oh, not EVgo. Yeah, EVgo? Um, I can't remember. EV Networks. Yeah. yeah. EV Networks. Yeah. Yeah. EV Networks yeah. putting in, which yeah. is great. It's good to see. Um, yeah. I mean, particularly in Sydney, the big problem we've got in Sydney, I've harped on it this in previous episodes, <laughs> but is that we've got you know one dc fast charger in in um that's generic park, yeah. at olympic park and then we've got um macquarie park and um broadway broadway is uh are the charges for the tesla superchargers and then we've got the new ones down at 
Um, I can't remember Pickin. the name. No, um, south near north of the north of the airport. Can't think of the name now. Oh, Zetland. Zetland. Yeah. Zetland. That's it. Um, but th that's it. There's nothing out in Western Sydney. Um, there's nothing south of west of Sydney. There's nothing northwest of Sydney. There's nothing southeast of Sydney, uh, or north of Sydney. And you know, we need them. We need the DC fast chargers at the edges of the basin. So mm. if you're going to go over the Blue Mountains, you can stop in, top up, and then keep going. It's mm. the the planning of these chargers is just doesn't seem to be any planning. Really. Yeah, I think there needs to be one of the Blue Mountains for sure. It's a major tourist. Yeah, I, I I went to a um, um, a small little hotel again <laughs> to charge when I was in New Mountains. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yes. I know what you're going to say. You got but plugged in. I got plugged. I got plugged in. Get coffee. Get coffee by, though. By the hour. <laughs> they charge by the hour. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Or part thereof. <laughs> but it is good. But it is good. But, but unfortunately, the Blue Mountain charger. The blue one charger was always iced three times, and all three times were iced. I was like, oh, yeah. God, come on. <laughs> Which one was that? The Lifco one? Yeah. No, no, the one in uh, the Blue Mountains where the... Uh, Hydro Majestic? Hydro Majestic? No, no. No? There's one at the Fairmont, there's one at the Fairmont Hotel, which is, yes. charge, which is pretty frequently iced. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always iced. There's one at Scenic Railway. World as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scenic World. Yeah. 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 And Scenic World is also always iced. Scenic World is always yeah. iced. Actually, times, speaking of icing, can I... Can I ask what's the so Bill, what's the deal with um, icing? Like what what are the rules? Like is there any legalities with um, ice cars taking up EV spots? Currently? No, look, it varies. So there are a number of, for instance, you look at Waverley. They uh, the councils there have rolled out a few DC charging stations, and they've said uh, you know it's for electric vehicles only, and it's for electric vehicles while they're charging only. Uh, and their sort of initial comment has been that they'll put out a grace period to, you know, they'll warn people for a little while that if you, you know, if you are a <coughs> combustion engine or if you're not charging at that time, you won't get uh, fined right away. Uh, now they released that a little while ago and it, there has been a lockdown in the meantime, so I don't know if, you know, probably no one's driving there anyway at the moment. Um, but the intention is to start finding people just as you would for parking anywhere else that you're not supposed to as well. But there is no sort of blanket, uh, you know, sort of blanket ban or blanket sort of thing in place there. It's a, if it's on council land, different councils will approach it differently. Uh, and if it's on, you know, private lands, different operators will approach yeah. that differently as well. Mm -hmm. Particularly, say, if you're sitting in a hotel, you know, think about, talk to a proprietor and see if they can get something moved on. One of the really neat uh, concepts that I've seen and heard of in the parking industry, for instance, is mate remember when you go to a parking bay and you see green and red lights to tell you if the bay is full or empty mm -hmm. uh, starting to use a demand management system where there'd be an orange light for instance and during that time you may have 10 or 20 bays of ev charging and therefore electric vehicles only but as the parking uh, station gets more and more full so if it's say 75 percent full you release five of those bays for ICEs to be able to park in if you're at 80% full, you might release six of those base for ICs to be able to park in. Uh, so that again, you're, uh, you're not sort of giving up 10 spots with no one ever being able to use it. You're able to do the same things for parking base for anyone else as well. Um, but again, sort of help, helping with that back and forth of the, well, you know, there's nowhere else to park. What am I supposed to do versus a, uh, yes, there is. There was plenty of other places. You were just being, uh, you know, you know what? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it needs to be as socially um, yeah. unacceptable as parking in a disabled spot. Yep. That yeah. needs yeah. to be treated that way. And the um, same way, we have to we have to address the the EV owners who go and park them. And yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. It, it should be if you're not charging. Unbelievable. Yeah, 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 unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be if you're yes. icing it or not charging it or peeved. Yeah. They, they, exactly, and they have to be yes. fined, and and then we get peeved as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that would be easy to do. You know, like you know. And I think ICE owner can at least plead ignorance of saying I didn't know what that thing was or that this was a, I didn't see exactly. the sign or whatever. Yeah. EV owners know full well what an EV charging bay is and they know full mm. well how other EV owners are living and the fact that you know you need that charge when mm. you need the charge. Yeah, so it's uh, I think we can certainly be good to one another yeah. and then uh, and then you know complain about the others and help bring them along to sort of learn learn better. It's particularly mm. important if we want to encourage shorter range EVs for, um, you know, mm. as a second car for city use because we've got an IMB, Mitsubishi IMB, and it does a, it has about 90k's range in it now. Um, it's a 2010 model, so it's, it's what, 11 years old now. Well, it's built in 2009. And, um, you know, if you want to encourage shorter range EVs, we need to make sure these spots are available for people to do um, <coughs> ABC, always be charging, basically. Um, mm. Yes. I think Woolworths, like, um, I know with Woolworths shopping centres, the charges in, say, Miranda and Parramatta and stuff regularly get iced. They've got like, I, the Rego Plate recognition to drive in now, yeah. and they basically tell how long you park there for. If you've been there over the three hours, they bill you as you go out. I don't see why they can't put the camera above the charger and just take a picture of the Rego. The car's there, and the charger's yeah. not been activated. Mm. Then as you drive out, you pay $50 fine, or whatever, yeah, some nominal yeah. amount. If you plug in and you charge it, increasingly those type of you know moving from permission to sort of punishment started to be place. But also, you're in sort of what we see in more mature electric vehicle markets around the world is you'll start to see you know moving from two EV charging bays to ten to twenty to you know mostly EV charging bays. So we get a some of this does also have to do with getting more electric vehicles on the road to help people put more charges down on the ground as well. Yeah, I guess once yeah. it becomes more yep. in the public psyche that mm. EVs are a thing yeah. and, and are becoming yeah. popular, then yeah, that probably, things will change. Now, is, is there anything crossed? that the EV Council can do with regards to um, sort of, uh, um, how do we, how do we right, rightly raise it? Getting the corporates to install more chargers, AC chargers are fine That's in the their corporate offices. Just for the staff members, exactly. In the corporate offices, mm-hmm. for their staff members to encourage them to to travel with, uh, you know, to, to bring in EVs in to, to to work. Can 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 anything be done there in that space? Yeah, it's it's a good area where I would say every week we hear from more companies who are now, you know, this it, it's a area where it used to be almost entirely driven by us pestering people to think about it. Now I'd say every week we're approached by different companies who are saying, look, we're thinking about electric vehicles for our employees, for our own fleet of vehicles, as well as charging inside of whatever parking sort of, whether it's helping our employees build charging at their homes or some type of charging if we have car parking in our, um, you know, in our facilities as well. Uh, and certainly a recognition that something that's been really important for us is to separate out the charging costs of making sure all of your sites have a, some EV charging capacity attached to it, um, but putting that into your facilities bill rather than putting that into your fleet bill 
Uh, we have a program called Charge Together Fleets where we teach fleets how to build a business case to go electric. And that was one of the failings that we saw there of people who try to package everything up. You know, we need to upgrade the capacity at our building. We need to build a bunch of charging stations and buy 10 vehicles. And then we're going to try to share that cost of the infrastructure across those 10 vehicles, which blows out the cost. So we're not going to do any of it. Uh, you know, we're able to point out to them the charging thing is a one-off cost, so separate it. The vehicle mm. part is an ongoing cost, separate that, and then you can make the business case work. Mm. And, and uh, I, I guess that's a, one... That's a free program as well, isn't it? Uh, via e if you go to the website, it's a free program too, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's exactly free, right. Yeah, so there's a bunch of information available to be able to read through. There's <laughs> a uh, free product called Betterfleet where you can actually use a calculator and it'll at the end of it sort of give you a business case that you can you present within your company around this is exactly how many vehicles make sense to go electric today these are the parameters we need to shift to be able to move more vehicles electric tomorrow uh, and what we usually find is with any company with any fleets particularly larger ones we'd be surprised if there's not something like 10 10 or 10 plus percent of vehicles that are already cheaper to go electric often more than that as well but as a minimum something like 10 percent of most of them are already able to be cheaper using an electric alternative. That's awesome. yeah, all well, the ACT government. To add, yeah, <laughs> sorry, here go. Here. I was going to say, just one thing to add to that very quickly that I think would be an interesting thought as well would be um, adding potential AC charging in kind of like your public sort of uh, parking stations like your Wilsons, etc. Um, so, I mean, I drive, I drive my EV to work when I go to work. Obviously, everyone's been scaled back over the last number of months, but um, even just having like a couple of uh, destination chargers or or fairly generic AC charging stations in there, and again, I'd be mm. even happy to pay a, a small premium just to get a bit of a trickle of charge in there during the day while I'm I'm at work. And I think that's another another area that I think could be could be a good business case for those operators to start to consider yeah. as well. Mm. Just a 35 amp plug will be amazing. Mm. No, look, I certainly say with commercial parking, it's a space to watch because uh, particularly sort of end of last year, beginning of this year, and of course there's been a pause on a lot of plans in the last few months, uh, there's been a sort of increased amount of interest uh, from commercial parking providers. The good thing is whether it's sort of supermarket chains, parking providers, sort of, you know, property developers, the shift that we've seen over the last four years, like I say, when we started in 2016, it was a, you know, knocking on people's doors, telling them, please think about electric vehicles. Let us talk to you for half an hour about electric vehicles to them wanting to say, all right, well, we'll buy one car and we'll put our brand on it and we'll show off how great we are. To increasingly when companies come and talk to us and they're building their business cases or they have an interest to sort of go towards it, it is a, how can we put EV charges in every single one of our sites? Or at least in, you know, what, like a hundred of our sites or whatever it may be, it's sort of larger plans that they're looking at. And they're usually staged out of, you know, that'll mean we'll do 20 this year and 20 next year. Or, but certainly they recognize that the thinking is where there's parking, there needs to be EV charging because that's the that's the direction that the market's heading in. At least future proof uh, these parking yes. spots, like new apartment blocks or whatever. Yeah. Have them mm -hmm. ready to go. Yeah. And I'm sure every one of us, um, not just in the podcast, everybody in the chat room, all of us are all advocates of that, isn't it? So every time we go and talk to our friends, a few more of them are, are, are starting to jump on to uh, EVs. 
um, uh, one of my one of my dentist friend uh, who's uh, who's pre building out his practice. He wants to put a destination charger in his uh, practice now, um, which is a great thing. I don't think he, he would have probably thought about it this uh, th thought about it a couple of years earlier. But now, because more of, more and more of us are talking about it, and there is awareness coming out, uh, I think we are all doing. Uh, I mean, we are all part of the um, part of the solution. Mm. That's, that's very nice. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll say one thing is so we what we do every year along with the motoring clubs like NRMA, RICB and others, we do sort of consumer surveys about electric vehicles uh, and electric vehicle customer attitudes. And one key thing is pretty consistent with what we see around the world is what we found, for instance, in last year's survey is something like 55% of respondents said that they would consider buying an electric vehicle or they would like to buy an electric vehicle as their next vehicle if something appropriate was available to them in their price range and otherwise. Interestingly though, when we either spent some time providing them some research or if they had said that I've already researched electric vehicles, that number jumps up to about 75% to 79% of people saying they'll buy an electric vehicle. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is a, we touched on this a little bit with our conversation with uh, Robin Denholm, people sort of have outdated views of electric vehicles are, you know, smaller, less powerful, they're golf carts, you know, they, they have <laughs> proper ranges. And then when they learn what electric vehicles are today, they say, oh, that's, I can drive that, that's, that's perfect, you know, I, I want one of those. So you're absolutely right. I mean, it's the, you know, by being able to put together programs like yours, it does a few things. You guys are sharing some real education with people and that's fantastic. But I think also sharing that enthusiasm with people, right? It's a, you can imagine if you've bought a car, you know, or any old ICE, and then you jump on YouTube and you see a bunch of people who have dedicated their time to talking about how great their cars are. You think, well, my car's not that great. I want to put a YouTube show together about my whatever. <laughs> so maybe I should look a bit more into it. Yeah. Yes, that's true. True. We're not Tesla shields, okay? Um, <laughs> one of the biggest problems also out there is people who don't have off the street parking for charging their cars. Um, I have a friend yeah. who would love to buy an EV, he's completely you know, hooked on EVs, he'd love to get one. The reason he doesn't have one is because he's got nowhere to charge it um, off the street, because uh, he has no off street parking. I've also heard of other people who have apartments and they might have a parking spot, yeah. but are having a lot of trouble getting the body corporate to allow them to put um, charging infrastructure in their parking spot. Um, what's the EV Council doing in regards to those sort of things to try and um, you know, make it easier for these people to be able to own electric cars? Yeah, a few good directions that you know, we're trying to take things in. Are there, you have to acknowledge that today for people who don't have off-seat charging or in that situation, it's sort of, we're working on it, but obviously right now it's much harder for them. Uh, but some of the things that we are working on, uh, what we're seeing some really great innovations around uh, being able to add EV chargers to street light poles. And so it's so something, you know, again, taps into yep. some of the convenience factor of electric vehicles. All you need is electricity. And there are a lot of electricity points already on our streets. There are now yep. light poles and we can add a charger to it. Uh, so that can be quite helpful. Again, that adding more uh, DC fast charging stations, what we see is a lot of them are today facilitating long distance journeys. Uh, but where the real money is, is in putting them in metropolitan areas where everyone lives, especially for people like apartment dwellers, people that have charging, or people just with you know, different habits who want to be able to quickly charge and do whatever it is they need to do, or Uber drivers, taxi driver, drivers mm. and the rest. 
Mm. Um, for those people then that do have you know some type of basement parking in their apartment block, there are a few things underway. Uh, what sort of California and a few others have dubbed it, I quite like. It's called the Right to Charge Bill. Um, essentially, it's removing EV charging from its current classification. There are, you know, I won't get too deep into the weeds, but there are basically some uh, set of strata laws and rules that says if it's a capital expenditure to the building, that everyone needs to agree to it, or if one person in yeah. the strata disagrees, you're allowed to cancel it. But there are a whole different classification that says this is just an upgrade to your portion. So if you're doing it to your car park or in one sort of spot, um, you know, only you need to agree to it. And unless there's, you know, as long as there's no mm. other issues, you can go ahead and build an EV charger there. Uh, fascinatingly, it's a problem that we were able to tackle in the, we didn't sort of share this at the time because it, it wasn't the only reason that this thing happened, but um, this problem was made very acutely aware to the ACT government because a member of parliament who lived in an apartment had this problem occur to them where they were trying to build an EV charger and they had this issue in their complex and they called us up and said, do you understand what's happening right now? Why, why is this occurring and is this yes. happening? Importantly, they acted on it because they were concerned <laughs> it was happening to other people. They didn't change the law just for themselves. They were able to overcome their own issue personally, but only because they were, you know, they were well informed enough about how to do it and persistent enough, but they didn't want this obstacle to be there for others. Um, but also, I think really importantly, the other piece of work, and we're doing this uh, very helpfully, very grateful for them for helping uh, with the Australian Industry Group, uh, which is working on an update to the National Construction Code, which is called Basics, and a few other things in different states. Mm. Uh, basically, it's future-proofs, particularly new buildings and sort of renovated buildings uh, for electric vehicle charging. So basically means designing the building and building it in the right way so that when somebody wants to put an electric vehicle charger there, the wiring's in the right spot, the cabling's in the right spot, it's sort of attached to your um it's attached to your meters and to your switchboards. So it's just a matter of putting a wall box at the end of your garage, not having to completely rethink the design of your building. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see all new apartment buildings have every single charging spot at least have like a 32 amp or even a 20 amp socket there. Um, that's all it needs to be. It doesn't need to be a charger installed. It just needs to be a socket that's metered by the, um, the unit's uh, meter. And, you know, problem solved. It's not, no one's asking them to put charging infrastructure. Yeah. That's just a PowerPoint. No, we have, we have spoken about this in our previous shows. Uh, uh, if we can't tackle this problem top down because the, the federal government is in, the, it's in a different zone, can we can we tackle tackle this problem like bottom up? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm the funny man. So how about going down? How about going down to the grassroots to the councils and then talking about this and sensitizing them because because most state governments are are sort of semi on board with uh, with regards to ev and and uh, how about we go lower go all the way to the council level and, and sensitize each council uh, or, or a group of councils because now the council charges are, are coming up and um, you know uh, what, yeah, what are your thoughts on that you're absolutely right it's where most of the activity uh, has been it's where we say sort of the what we'd like to see in terms of policy should be federal state and local but what we are seeing is local state and federal uh, mm. and we've only at federal, that'd be nice. They're actually doing nothing. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And particularly in some of these, 
Yeah, I think it's what has been helpful for some of the things like um, future-proof new builds and these right-to-charge builds. We were seeing them occur first through a couple of local councils and they worked out how to do it. It was successful. It sort of didn't have a very high cost to any sort of new buildings being built. That helped give a lot of state governments the comfort to say, okay, well, we should do this statewide now. Uh, and again, it was something local councils were crying out for of saying, you know, no builder, nobody wants to have 150 different systems by based on every council's jurisdiction, make it a statewide law, this is how to do it. Um, so it works in a number of ways. So it's effective to do things through local council, but mm. even if you ultimately want to impact state laws, it's effective to start at the local council level because mm. they then push their state counterparts. And often, exactly. you know, a lot of the time, they have a very good relationship with their state representative as well, right? The local council or local mayor is usually good friends with the state member of parliament or they're, <laughs> you know, politically important or irrelevant to them as well. So they're able to, you know, help nudge them and say, you guys should really be looking at this thing. And so it can often be a lot more helpful than uh, them yeah. hearing from someone like the electric vehicle council pestering them about the sort of hundred of things that we fester about them about. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You just give me a good idea. I'm, I might start scoring the Sydney councils on how how many EV charges they've got. I might do that. Yes, that'd be an amazing yeah, series of videos, Tom. That'd be brilliant. Oh, awesome! Good idea. Are we know. We know Sydney City Council with Clover Moore has gone hundred percent renewable. You think that's will be pretty open to changing laws to allow more EV charge installations or mm. mandating more yeah. even light even light pole street side um, charging stuff like that. There's actually yeah, I mean, quite a few of those in West Sydney. One of the uh, pieces of work mm. that the New South Wales government's doing now around, they have a, their code is called basics and updating that for uh, future, for new buildings to be future-proofed for uh, EV charging. And again, so I mean, it's a sort of good, that is where we are, you know, seeing this momentum shift towards it. And again, these are things that aren't, um, you know, when we talk to governments about these things, they're not, controversial, they recognise they need to do them. Most of our time is spent trying to build the political will for them to get on with doing it rather than convincing them that it's important. Cool. Um, so let's get on to one or two more topics and we'll get some questions. Um, so Harley Davidson released the live wire in Australia and New Zealand in the last week, which is awesome. It's really, oh, we've had a few EVs, uh, electric motorcycles in Australia, but it's the first um, big name manufacturer to release an EV in Australia, which is great to see. I'm not really a Harley fan myself because they're big and noisy, we can but be. this is, well, we can be. This is, <laughs> this is now, actually yes. a very, diff very, very Finally, different bike. Um, it looks quite nice. Um, yeah. I saw it last year at Oh, was it C? No, not, oh, I can't remember. I went to something in the city, some CDF conference in the thing, city, yeah. and I saw it last year in the, in, at the conference. It looked cool, look, look really cool. Um, but you can actually buy it now. Um, so, mm. what are your thoughts on that? Just look it up. As long as it doesn't handle like a Harley, then yes, it'd be a good thing. Yeah. They're not known for cornering really well. Apart from that, like, well, I like it. I expect to see if you're on the road. I'd ride one, so that's cool. Mm. Yeah, so it is open for pre-orders now to come uh, to be on the roads, I think, by around September of, the, of this year. So, yeah, so again, really exciting, right? It's a, even just in, in talking about that, convincing more people, giving people the comfort, there is a sort of very big wake-up call for people when a brand like Harley-Davidson brings an electric vehicle out. It's, yeah. sort of, it's a bit of a shock to the system. Mm. Uh, but similarly, for a company like Harley, they're thinking is a, you know, 
there's uh, their current, fascinatingly, their current customer base is actually a lot younger than you think it is. I think there's a lot of stereotypes about you know who a Harvey <laughs> customer is. Highly the reality is quite different. So they're trying to serve their customers mm. and really importantly for them. And I think really smartly for them, like with any uh, any vehicle company, they're thinking about who are now customers today that should be, you know, who are people who care a lot about tech, who are people who, you know, younger may like a motorcycle, but don't, as you like mentioned, noise, yeah. like the big yeah. noisy handlebar-y type of look. And how do we attract those people? And you do yep. it with the latest tech. Yeah, and, and, and uh, just 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 so we're mentioning um, uh, the two wheelers, our very own uh, the Fonz has have got some really good uh, bikes and uh, uh, and then uh, Fonz Rally, yeah, yeah, very yes. beautiful ones. Their the new NKD or the they call it the Naked series. It looks mm. really gorgeous. I, I saw yeah. it up, up close and personal. We, we 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 both saw it, Tom. Uh, yeah, it's it a good bike. Yeah, it's really good bike. Mm. It it's looks very nice, yeah. very sleek, futuristic looking, really nice. Um, I, I, so I hope more people sort of. Um, jump on board and they have a very good very very interesting concept very similar to what the yep. I think it is there in Thailand as well they could replace the batteries because you can take the battery back back into your house and and charge it at home and bring it back and just plug it in yep yeah Michelle said you could take the box out yes you could just take the box desk, yeah. charge it in the charge there, socket, take it and home, then bring, bring it back to go yeah. the, the other cool thing yeah. is um they're Australian mate yeah exactly yeah yeah they're employing people too I've seen job adverts for them too so if you're looking for some work in the EV space, there's opportunity. Also, um, they act based on the um, electric bike theme. We know um, like the last mile, as I say, last mile commuting, electric scooters, electric skateboards, all that sort of stuff, and how they're sort of viewed very negatively in Australia, unfortunately. Is there any sort of work where the EV council can sort of try and sway those type of laws to allow that to reduce congestion yeah. and pollution and obviously the unusual stuff? Unfortunately, they're technically illegal in New South Wales. Yeah, yeah so in, in bits and pieces, and it's been a bit of a struggle for particularly uh, new areas for electric scooters. Electric bicycles have had a bit of an easier time uh, with things like regulations and laws, I mean. Um, and, and again, sort of then seeing them be quite successful. I think then some of the next level of thinking of how to get them to be more commonly used or sort of more easily used and looking at options and again a lot of it to do with charging infrastructure uh, conversations with governments for instance around if you have commuter car parks or if you have space yeah. available near your train stations your ferry stops wherever it may be can you give some of that land for these companies to build bike electric bike charging stations mm. so that you know yeah, that when you get off yeah. a train you can get onto an electric bike and it's sort of seamless for you you don't you're not left guessing or you're not left checking your app or anything um, mm. And again, it's the lessons that we're able to learn from much more, you know, bike friendly or sort of micro mobility friendly cities around the world is it becomes routine. You know, this is what people do. You catch the bus to the bike to the office and back again. Yeah. Um, and it sort of had a, you know, I, it, when people ask what electric vehicle do you use, they always think Tesla and I always say electric bicycle. And it's a very specific experiment. <laughs> Stop it from being a once in a while out of the ordinary experience to a this is how this is my commute, it's how I get to work or it's how I get to what I'm doing. Great. Mm. Have you yeah. guys seen the micro Lino car? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's a cute. Yeah. I follow them on Instagram, yeah. that's tons of cool yeah, photos it's and how they're building the front it and designing it. Door. Yeah. Like the old Mitsubishi, uh, was it Messerschmitt's from the pre war? 
Yeah. The funny nothing. I, 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 I like the Honda, the, the Honda way, the vehicle as well. The Honda, Honda E is called. Yeah, oh, I love that. It's very cute. It's a beautiful looking car. You see Bjorn's videos of that recently? Yes, yes. See so the auto the parking Bjorn features? Yeah. yeah. Why can't Tesla do that? Can <laughs> they're getting close though. I've got, yeah. I love looking they at have, them. They have, um, I might open a can of worms here, but what, what's the EV council stance on um, fuel cell electric vehicles? Mm. Yeah, look, uh, uh, so very supportive of any zero emission uh, technology. I guess our only thing is that we're very focused on deployment, right? And focused on investment. So I said at the beginning of our message to companies and governments and investors is we represent companies who are actually trying to invest in things and try to you know bring vehicles and put them on roads uh some of that is a factor of you know australia's market is sort of 10 times behind the rest of the world on electric vehicle uptake so very hard much like with driverless vehicles for instance i would have loved to be running an organization that's a lot more involved in driverless but very hard for us to talk about sort of future technologies that sort of may come down the track when we're so far behind on current ones and it's very hard for me to talk to international investors about come and, you know, put your latest planner equipment here in Australia for your future thinking when they look at us and say, well, you're already 10 years behind on electric vehicles. What are you talking to me about the next thing for, right? Uh, so where people are sort of interested in fuel cells for a, hey, we're trying to bring cars here, we're trying to sell them, we're trying to build infrastructure would be a lot more interested. But uh, I think right now what we see a lot of is people saying we want to do more research and more thinking and, uh, and sort of more deliberation and we say, well, that's great. There are universities you can speak to, there are sort of different groups, but sort of that's not the space that we want to, uh, we want to sort of participate in. Largely, we don't want to confuse our message to government, right? We're trying to tell them we're 10 years behind. We don't want to then say also spend the next 10 years thinking about the next technology as well. Hmm. And, and isn't it that the, the, the fact that you're 10 years behind is great in a, in a sense that we don't we can skip all the ones we can skip all the mistakes that others have made and leapfrog this very very similar to people you know not going down 3g at all they went directly to 4g or 5g in, in many of the african nations uh, they, they don't have landlines but they have 4g fantastic connections 4g all through because they skipped 3g altogether um maybe there's, yeah, that's, a, there's a boom that's that's the catch so it, it does provide you with a you know there's a silver lining to every crowd Crowd, it does provide you with the opportunity to leapfrog and start doing things better. But the, the flip side to that is we now need to actually start doing the things and start doing them better. <laughs> uh, and that's still sort of you know where, where we are today. I, I was hoping the COVID situation sort of lends itself, that, yeah. to, lends itself to that, uh, but it's not happened uh, yet. Hopefully, fingers crossed. All right, we've got a stack of questions coming up on the feed right now, <laughs> so let's get to some of them. Um, Okay, so let's start off with um, a Twitter question. Uh, get my stuff together. There we go. All right. Um, on the screen. On the screen, on yeah. The screen. That's, that's, I'm, I'm just gone <laughs> blind for some reason. Um, hmm. Yeah. There we go. That's the one. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, Mark Edwards uh, on Twitter at, at biz. What is the best thing I can do as an individual to speed transport electrification other than buying an EV, which I have done model three? Yeah, it's get your friends in the model three and let them drive it. Um, uh, Bums the, on the absolute sort of best <laughs> converter and you know, best sort of advocate that I've had is you know, when I first started the electric vehicle council, one of the first things I did was 
asked Tesla to borrow one of their cars and I'll drive it back and forth to Parliament House from Sydney and put politicians in it and we'd have our meetings inside of a Tesla. And I like to say now every politician in the country's broken the law with me in the, uh, in the passenger <laughs> seat. And there's really nothing like trying to explain an electric vehicle as opposed to actually letting them drive one and people come away from that going, yes, I get it. It's the future. This is it. <laughs> you know, it's here. Bums in seats, always away. Yeah, that's what they say. Bums in seats. Yeah, bums in seats, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Johnson, um, and there's a second There's a second person who asked a similar question, so I'm going to um, hey, put both the questions up. So Ray Johnson on Twitter, uh, who's also on our chat tonight. Thank you, Ray, um, one of our great supporters. Uh, mm-hmm. How much of an influence will uh, Mike Cannon-Brooks being part of Beyond Zero News, hash, million jobs plan, on government to change EV incentives and emission standards and in turn uptake EVs generally. Uh, so that's that's one. Um, and there's a similar question, and I'll just, uh, it's basically on the same topic. Um, EVHQ said, is the EV council involved with decarbonisation report that is supported by Mike Cameron Brooks? So um, it sounds like they're both talking about the same report there. Yeah, look, first of all, if you guys haven't spoken about it already, how amazing was that report and all the sort of work and media that went around it? It's sort of exactly the type of cut through that you want where spend the next few days just seeing wall-to-wall coverage and including now follow-up coverage in sort of regional papers and local papers talking about the jobs in the industry that we can have out of the clean energy sector more broadly as well as in EVs. So, I mean, that was just amazing work by them. I saw the question there was, were we involved and... Well, ATEN, who runs the uh, Beyond Zero Emissions, is a good friend of mine and we're always sort of very supportive uh, in no way that, yes, we're there and able to be helpful, but in no way that we deserve any of the credit. It belongs entirely to the Beyond Zero Emissions team for doing the amazing work that they did there. Uh, I think there is a bit of a you know good impetus there by having somebody like Mike Cadden Brooks uh, be able to talk about you know and help sort of help these messages cut through. I always like to say, you know, the next Mike Cannon Brooks and the next Scott Farquhar are going to come from the clean energy world or the clean technology world, mm. including uh, electric vehicles, because it makes a lot of sense that that's where they're going to come from, because a lot of countries and, you know, San Francisco and other places have a lot of those strengths in the software world. We have those strengths in the clean tech world. So, you know, that's mm. it's an untapped or it's a somewhat tapped resource with a lot more potential left to go. Um, what I'd say is, and look, I'd sort of think about this in my own small way relative, you know, definitely relative to people like Matt and Brooks is we'd set up the Electric Vehicle Council back in 2016 and particularly in the federal sense, our challenge in the last few years hasn't been convincing people that supporting electric vehicles or convincing politicians that supporting electric vehicles is beneficial, that it's the right thing to do, that there's a massive potential for it. The research and the evidence has been there for a long time. It's sort of building the political will to force them to do it, right? And unfortunately, too often the political wheel's gone in the other direction to sort of mm-hmm. divide it instead. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it can only be helpful to have, you know, successful business people, uh, you know, and strong advocates uh, like Mike Cannon Brooks sort of lend their voice and sort of lend their support to it. That there's just that frustration, right, of a, particularly when I'm speaking to international audiences, but even sometimes Australian audiences, and they say, why haven't we got on with it and done it yet? It's a, yeah. It's frustrating. You know, there is no good reason why. It, it is frustrating, and it's the, it's the new new economy. It's it's what's going to drive the future economy. 
Well, and recovery. we're world placed for that. We're a huge mm. country. We, we can easily be generating 800% of our renewable energy requirements yeah. and, and exporting. exporting overseas and have exporting the cheapest overseas. electricity in the world, which means we have, you know, we can manufacture stuff cheaper because it costs us nothing to power that manufacture. Mm. As Simon yeah. Court said, that energy capture in exporting minerals yeah. or whatever. Yep. Yeah, we do the exact opposite. We just keep going and, exactly. and, yes, and, and putting another co metals, lump yeah. of coal on the fire. It's like, or, or taking yeah. another lump of coal in the parliament. It's like, why? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so much potential just sitting there waiting to be tapped. Yeah. Yeah. I did have the idea a little while ago to um, go to parliament with a piece of uh, lithium spodium mine and lithium rock <laughs> and something. <laughs> and, uh, I searched nice. high and low for a piece of actual lithium rock that I could buy. Yep. And, uh, and Google kept directing me towards lithium stock. And I said, no, 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 I want an actual piece of rock. How do I buy the rock? Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll buy the stock too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's um, kept it all, though. Yeah. It's going yeah. to be a bit messy. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I just take a battery selling. Just take it. Okay, that's I just want to add one small point. It's, it's a bit of a devil's advocate question. Now, um, are we, I mean, have we reached the critical mass where we can we can uh, uh, we can influence our politicians to make a, a meaningful change? No, we we are an echo chamber of, of like-minded people, so we all talk all this all day long. Uh, but have we reached the critical mass with the general population, uh, or what should we do next to to reach the critical mass? You know, in some ways, there's a critical mass there. But what I'd say, you know, the catch to it is, and the unfortunate bit to it is, you can see the exact same thing that happened, that is happening with sort of renewable energy and climate change more broadly, mm. right? Where when you run polls and you ask Australians what they think, everybody thinks the right thing, but for some reason that doesn't get reflected into our politics and you know, to the decisions that our government's made. So mm. in some ways that critical mass isn't enough it's a what else you know it's the urgency and sort of what else can be done to sort of force the hand and that's why particularly for electric vehicle drivers the main thing i'd say is a you know nashi already said that you're sort of doing this and i'm sure everybody does this a lot with their friends is put people into electric vehicles because you know i spend a lot of time i write up heads on the sn on the sydney morning herald and i you know i'm quoted in the afr and the abc the average funder doesn't care about any of that, right? That's a, I'm doing a lot of those things usually directed to, you know, politicians and things to try to get them to pay attention. The average funder is a, hey, my neighbor drives one of those things. He let me drive it the other day, it was incredible. Why isn't there a cheaper one that I can afford? Why isn't there, you know, why aren't there more of them? Why aren't there more charging stations? It's that type of thing that when that starts to feed back through people who don't have jobs like the CEO of the Electric Vehicle Council to members of parliament, just from yeah. their, you know, their voters and things. That's where I, the relationship changes and it has in some cases changed with some politicians from me pestering them all the time to them calling me and saying, I've got 10 people in my electorate who are emailing me about electric vehicles and, you know, who told me to come drive in their Tesla and it was fantastic. And now that I'm getting it from the people who, who you know, who threatened my job, <laughs> I better start listening to this. Mm. Thing. Why don't you come and talk yeah. to us? Yeah. Good. Oh, that's mm. great. That's good. Um, I totally agree. Um, and, and when you get that Tesla smile on people's faces, <laughs> when you put that foot down, that, that they just uh, go, yeah, I want yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, EVHQ says, oh, has asked, uh, we have a large amount of ideas uh, collectively, uh, us and also our, our listeners out there um, or viewers out there. 
um, that could influence people and give ideas to government bodies. Is there a way to go about getting these, giving these ideas some um, traction they need? Um, so I mean, a lot of the stuff we talked about tonight and, uh, is, is an example of that. And how do we get those ideas back to the people who make policies and make the decisions? Yeah, look, a, a, a few ways, and I almost I risk of repeating myself, but I always say in terms of how to tell government sort of what policies work, you know, there's a, you can maybe imagine this here in your own jobs, right? There's a sort of mode that they get into where, okay, this person's coming to talk to me about policy and we'll have a discussion about that. And then there's a different mode of, I'm out talking to voters and talking to the community and this is where I learned what issues are important to the people. And mm. then I get, you know, lobby groups like the EBC who come and tell me what's important to business and, you know, what they're trying to do. And I always say sort of that side, that sort of talking to politicians about the things and the policies that are important, we're doing all all of the time. The thing that both we could, you know, we in the EBC could be better at, but, you know, what would be really helpful is they, when they then reach out to, you know, the, the people, and they go out for them to be hearing this quite a lot as well. So I think a lot more around sort of work that you can do within your community and sort of within groups in your community so that, you know, the ideal is that wherever they turn, they see this issue. And it doesn't become mm -hmm. a, you know, a, and again, it's why I say I sort of do a lot of things like media of, they make judgments of how much time and attention should they pay to electric vehicles based on who are they hearing it from and where are they hearing it from, mm. right? the more sources that they're hearing it from, the more they think, all right, I better get on with it. You know, I, yeah. this, this is a problem for me if I don't. I guess that's why it's great having people like Mike Cannon-Brooks also advocating for um, electric vehicles or renewable energy because um, it's someone who they do listen to because they yep. see that he's made money. For some reason, money talks. And they see someone who's made money and they think, oh, he knows what he's talking about, um, as opposed to the people who, you know, have worked all their lives making <laughs> this technology. But... Um, it's good to have someone like that on board. Uh, Evie Dave uh, has uh, said, um, how long until Australia catches up with battery replacement services like in New Zealand and how much? I think the last bit's gonna be a bit difficult to answer, but has there any, been any talk of battery replacement services for um, older vehicles, such as the um, iMeave I've got behind me? Um, yeah, not too much that I sort of that I have at the top of my mind. If there are sort of certain concerns or people after sort of bits and pieces, I'm happy to uh, look into things or ask people questions. But um, but I can't say something that I've heard all, all that much about. Sorry. Okay. I believe cool. there is a service in Victoria. Uh, I was, I'm going to speak to them very soon. That they're doing a recycling program for lithium batteries. Is it, so are they? building new cells? No, they're just recycling okay. batteries from old cars right. and towels, okay. yeah. I guess. I know no. that um, in Europe, you can, there's someone working, or you can actually get replacement uh, Nissan Leaf batteries now. And um, uh, what's his name from Fully Charged? Robert Llewellyn. Robert Llewellyn from Fully Charged. <laughs> actually getting his Nissan, <laughs> Nissan Leaf upgraded from um, 40 kilowatt hour, I think it is now, to 60 kilowatt hour. It's like oh, 20, nice. was it 2012 or 2013 that's Nissan Leaf that, yeah. or something? Um, I'd like to see that. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with our car. Um, it's it's 11 years old. It's, it has lost a little bit of range. It's gone down from about 110 to 90, which is still pretty good. But I'd love to upgrade the, that to 150, yeah. 200Ks. Yeah. So it'd be good to see those services starting to be offered um, out there. 
Um, now, Outback. Now Tesla's Tesla's doing the closed loop recycling, isn't it? Yeah, certainly a lot of effort is going on in recycling, um, in recycling. But yeah, if it's a replacement, uh, no, sort of not as much that I've seen there. But yeah, what we've seen is either based on sort of uh, jurisdictional regulations or company policies that every OEM having a taking responsibility for the full life cycle of their batteries, and usually doing that by partnering with a uh, firm that around recycling to sort of. They will say sort of recycling begins with reusing, actually it begins with um, uh, avoiding or sort of redu reducing in the first place. So the first segment is make your batteries last longer and last mm. for a longer period of time. And then when they are finally done, how do you repurpose them and reuse them and then finally recycle them? And the good thing is we're seeing that entire value chain pop up. And as well, it's an area where we're seeing some really innovative Australian companies serving global OEMs to sort of repurpose or reuse electric vehicle batteries. It's good. Um, Outback Tesla, Richard, um, if you've seen Richard's videos, they are awesome. Yeah, um, he's, uh, yeah. he's popping up his videos about his around the around Australia trip yeah, he did last year and it's great to see yeah, them. Me too. Um, yeah. He said these are some basic info or fact sheets for corporate for body corporates, building owners and property developers to get the ball rolling, I mean, I assume he's talking about electric vehicle charges in um, units and apartments and stuff like that. Yeah, not yet. We are working on it where we are, it's the work I was alluding to with Australian Industry Group. We're first working on it, it's coming up to the answers, you know, the, come, uh, with some sort of best practices and some standards and guidance so that we can then turn those into fact sheets for our property developers, but also then very directly talking to uh, particularly sort of major uh, developers and uh, operators and things as well of, you know, making sure that they see it so that you don't have to be the one to press them with it. Uh, and also a something that we have in the works right now is the local government's uh, resource pack. So similarly being able to show them all the great work that other local councils have done and um, for them, teaching them how they can go through the process of implementing EV policies as well. Um, so one last question, then we'll close up for tonight. Um, uh, Granton Smith uh, has said, if we campaign with local council, uh, I assume that to get charging equipment put in or DC fast chargers or, or slow char AC chargers, um, how best do we refer them to the Electric Vehicle Council for more information? Do we just put them to the website? Do we get them in contact with you? Um, what, what's the best thing for them to do? Yeah, no, good question. Uh, our website, the Charge to Get the Fleet's website, uh, our email very simply is office at evc.org.au. That's EVC for Electric Vehicle Council. Um, and yeah, we very frequently hear from local councils on that address. Uh, on that email, we're sort of quite pumped to get onto them because we're we're waiting for them and we're looking for them <laughs> quite eagerly. So yeah, please do point them over our way. Um, and otherwise, if you're you know <coughs> having any trouble, of course, you can reach me on Twitter or email or um, at B Jafari. I think the links are out on the um, yeah they are on the YouTube as well. So feel free to hit me up or hit one of your good friends at Phantom Lane Four. They know how to get in touch <laughs> with me as well. Yes. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Um, so thank you very much for having me on the show tonight. Um, we yes. really appreciate it. Um, it's enlightening. Yeah. It's good to see and talk to someone who's really advocating for electric vehicles in Australia. So thank you very mm. much. Yeah, especially the high government uh, level. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I just looked over <laughs> at the clock and saw a 
how much time has passed and it's flown by. It's been great. Oh, it always does. It yeah. always does. We, we try <laughs> to go for an hour, but it always goes over. <laughs> always, always. Um, so thank you very much for... We do three on for... course too, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's not over yet. <laughs> Tom, it's dark Tom's still yet. got his clothes on, so hey. Lee, <laughs> Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, it's after 10, so good. <laughs> he hasn't got the badger out yet either, so no. there's, a, there's a fair bit to go yet. Oh, that's not my badger. <laughs> oh! <laughs> uh, this is what we normally like, by the way. Yes, so, yeah, th- thanks very much. Um, of course, my husband, Rob, from CDV. G'day, thanks all for um, the, the questions. All been very interesting and good. And also, thank you, Ahead, for joining us. It's been very enlightening, and hope maybe on again soon. And... I do love the flannel. <laughs> it's not all about them. Go to flannel. Yeah, cool. I was also in the Blue Madden's over the yeah. uh, weekend, actually. That's where I got this from. I got from Blue Madden's UG. Yeah, so the good nice. flannels nice. can't be beaten. Awesome. Yes. Like we all spent the, uh, our weekend of freedom going up to the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> well, we would if we had electric cars. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully soon. I mean, I don't blame Tesla. I mean, it happens, you know. But yeah, things yeah, fail. It just what happens. sucks not having it. And the cone man himself, Nash, thank you from Tesla.com. <laughs> yes. uh, thank you, thank you guys, thank you very much. Uh, it, was a, it was a fantastic uh, podcast, this one, great episode. Um, the chat was amazing as usual. Um, oh, I, actually, everybody's sort of encore thanking you, uh, Behead. It's uh, they really, really were impressed as well. I guess. Oh, no, thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah thanks for everyone yeah. sticking with us for the last hour and a half. Our listeners and viewers are really good. They're really oh, good, and they have fantastic questions. We we missed a few, but then most of us, I think, we got through. Um, yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, I can't get to them all. Otherwise, we'd be here at midnight. So, if I didn't answer it, come find me on Twitter. Happy to talk anytime. Yeah. Not tonight. Awesome. I'm going to sleep now. But any, <laughs> any <other time>. yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, of course, Adam from Tesla Australia. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And, yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Behad, uh, for joining us as well. It's always great having uh, special guests on. So uh, thanks for taking time out of your night to, to chat with us and, and also for all the viewers as well. Really appreciate you tuning in, and we'll uh, see you around for another visit next week. Um, and, of course, myself, Sally, at Dr. Sally L. Um, and if you have any feedback, hit us up on Twitter um, at phantomlane4 or via email, feedback at phantomlane4.com. If you've got a question for us next week, use, you can use Twitter and just use the hashtag PL4Questions. Of course, uh, as our lovely merchandise is on the screen tonight, you can always go to <laughs> store.phantomlane4.com for the Phantom Lane 4 merchandise, as Tom is uh, modelling <laughs> right now. Um, the other guys have also got merchandise in their own stores, so if you want a, a ludicrous feed or a, a Tesla and a Gone shirt, um, head over to those channels, or a CDV shirt yes. even. There's a CDV channel. Mm, free plugs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Also, one, one more request, because this... Even though we're main shows live here, we also go out to all the YouTube, all the usual podcasting, like Apple Podcasts and stuff. One thing I always forget to say is leave a um, review on that for us, so it brings nice. it up, so more people can actually find us and, and get great content such as from Bayad and um and Simon Hamza Court for previous episodes and stuff like that. Yep, it'll really help and help spread the word and get EVs sort of in the public psyche. So thank you everybody once again. And the moment you've all been waiting for out there. <laughs> Look Pretty out, enough. he's got his badger out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. 
um, just want to say um, thank you, Bayard. It's always um, a, a pleasure talking to you. So it's, thank you for the chat tonight and uh, for all your wonderful insights. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, And I want to thank all our viewers too. Um, great engagement as always. Great conversation. Uh, good questions too. Yeah, thank you, guys. And uh, to our yep, Victorian viewers, you. stay safe, guys. Um, yeah. Take care of yourselves too. We're thinking of you. Yeah, we yep. all yes, we are. Be safe. And, yeah. and, and as always, happy charging. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, guys. We have a wide range of doobie whackers and finnerajigs for all occasion. Just ask your friendly representative for assistance. Phantom Lane 4. We value your business. All our lines are busy right now, but if you're cold, we'll get to you as soon as possible. You are caller number 12 in the queue. our customers are not happy with our service and I don't blame you. If you've had bad service, please press the red button on your phone now and we will assist.
Thank you for calling Phantom Lane 4. We value your business. All our lines are busy right now, but if you're cold, we'll get to you as soon as possible. You are caller number 10 in the queue. Remember, with Kalaka cheese, it's easy to please. At Phantom Lane 4, we provide services for all businesses, from chicken weavers to your local drug dealer. Our services include brass razus, goat herding, and selling shady toilet paper from the back of our cars. Be sure to ask your friendly representative about what service 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 what services we can offer you today. Have a complaint about our service? Here, take 50 cents and please call someone who cares. Missed out on Tesla short shorts? We'll head on over to our merchandise store where you can purchase some long shorts we call schlongs. Go to store.phantomlane4.com Thank you for calling Phantom Lane 4. We value your business. All our lines are busy right now, but if you're cold, we'll get to you as soon as possible. You are caller number 9 in the queue. Need some cones? Make sure you have your FSD visualizations turned on. check out our merchandise store. We have a range of shirts and non-shirt items. Go to store at phantomlane4.com Have a complaint about our service? Here, take 50 cents and please call someone who cares.
Thank you for calling Phantom Lane 4. We value your business. All our lines are busy right now, but if you're cold, we will get to you as soon as possible. You are caller number 8 in the queue. Don't be a short, but if you are short, then be a long short. The Phantom Lane 4 stream will start shortly. While you're on hold, why not check out our merchandise store? We have a range of shirts and non-shirt items, go to store at phantomlane4.com Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and make sure you give that bell a good whacking. Thank you for calling Phantom Lane 4. We value your business. All our lines are busy right now, but if you're cold, we will get to you as soon as possible. You are caller number 5 in the queue. Here at Phantom Lane 4, we have a wide range of doobie whackers and finnamajigs for all occasion. Just ask your friendly representative for assistance. Sometimes our customers are not happy with our service, and I don't blame you. If you've had bad service, please press the red button on your phone now and we will assist. Need some cones? Make sure you have your FSD visualizations turned on. <laughs> 